0: Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Future Brew, our Michigan football and basketball recruiting podcast right here on maizeandbrew.com. My name is Vaughn Lozon, and today we have a very special guest on the show, none other than Michigan five-star quarterback commit J.J. McCarthy. He hails from uh, LaGrange Park, Illinois, who played his first three years of high school at Nazareth Academy, but uh, announced his uh, transfer down to IMG Academy in Florida to play his senior season along with another Michigan commit, and that's uh, Greg Crippen, along the offensive line. So, J.J., welcome to the podcast. Thanks for stopping by. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, no problem whatsoever. I just want to ask you, uh, how you have been doing during this whole pandemic? I know it's shaken up a lot of people, uh, especially with your guys' class in 2021, not being able to make visits and stuff like that. Obviously, it hasn't impacted you too much because you've been committed to Michigan for well over a year at this point. But uh, what what all have you been doing to stay in shape both physically and mentally?
1: Um, I've been in, in Arizona most of the quarantine and out there it's a lot different from Chicago. There's a lot less rules that everyone has to follow. So I was able to work out out there and throw with a lot of the top guys in the country and a lot of really good quarterbacks. So being out there helped a lot in me staying and perfecting my craft.
0: Yeah. And, and to go along with, with that last comment there of perfecting your craft in the past, you've said that you take a lot of pride in the hard work and and earning things in life, Uh, you know, perfecting all of that trying to perfect everything that you do as a quarterback before you get to college. Where, where did that mentality come from? Was it uh, your mom or dad? Was it another player you play with a mentor? Who, who was it? Or maybe it was just yourself. where did it come from? I mean, it,
1: look, my family set the foundation for that, just two hardworking parents and growing up in Chicago and growing up playing hockey and football, it's, it's that toughness factor and there's, there's no participation trophy, so you have to work for everything you want. And the goals that I want to reach are really high goals, so I have to work as hard as I possibly can to get to that.
0: Yeah, and, and that's another question that I actually wanted to ask you was about those goals. I know that you uh, you have a whiteboard in your room where you write down all of these motivational things for yourself uh, that, that you write and read pretty much all the time. Do, do you have any set goals right now for when you get to – A U of M, uh, anything in general, whether it be on the field or off the field?
1: When I get to U of M, I have have goals for this coming year, the next year, and then it's it's five years from now. That's that's how I kind of write down my goals. And the next year when I'm at U of M is I want to compete for the starting job. If I don't get it then I'm going to support the team as much as possible, do everything I can to make the quarterbacks in that room better. But my ultimate goal at U of M is to win national championship and bring it home for Michigan because the fans deserve it. They've been the best fans out there and I want nothing more, but to bring a national championship back to Ann Arbor.
0: Now recently you made the decision to transfer down to IMG Academy like I had mentioned earlier. What all led into that decision for you to go down there and play with uh, Greg Crippen along the offensive line? Was it more so with, with the coronavirus or was there any any other factors because of that?
1: The biggest factor is definitely the, the unknown of playing a full season, a full regular season of football in Illinois and Florida was opened up right away, and it was wide open for football. And I took that into consideration that I can control only what I can control. And going down there is going to help me tremendously because I'm going against one of the top defenses in the country every single day with top Division One talent. So how could you not get better when you put yourself in those situations and – when you put yourself in an offense that the terminology is like college offense, there's no other way, but to get better. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to find every possible way to get better and uh, perfect my craft.
0: Now, if for some reason uh, COVID-19 ends up spiking up down in Florida and Illinois, it kind of cools down a little bit. Is there any chance that you would change your mind and still play with Nazareth for your senior season? Or are you kind of locked in with paperwork and stuff like that to IMG at this Uh, point?
1: I'm I'm locked in with IMG right now because once I make a decision, that's that's the decision and I I go with it. There's no turning back.
0: Okay, I got you. Cool. Well, uh, to go along with with all the hard work that that we had talked about with uh, with you recently, you got the chance to participate in the Elite Eleven, and now you're uh, made it with the finals. Uh, with with tons of other uh, really good quarterbacks in this 2021 class. What was your initial reaction when you got that news? Because I know that this is something that you've kind of dreamed about as a kid growing up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it, was, it was truly awesome to get that invite and to be recognized as one of the top 20 quarterbacks. Um, it's always been a dream of mine as a little kid, and I, I can't wait to really prove all the work I've been putting in this offseason and just get to get better from throwing with all these other quarterbacks because that's that's the main goal for all of us. We just want to get better and learn and take all of the information that we can. And I'm going to go in there and compete and try to win the thing.
0: Now, not only are you a grinder on the field, but off the field, you recruit the hell out of a ton of other guys to go to Michigan. People are always seeing you tweeting at other – Guys on Twitter and things along those lines, but do you do a lot of recruiting off Twitter as well? Do you call these guys or text these guys, and and kind of just uh, behind the scenes of what the fans can't really see you doing on Twitter?
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. I'm I'm either playing video games with them, FaceTiming them. A lot of a lot of I've gotten so close with a lot of guys that they just Facetime me out of nowhere and just talk to me <laughs> about uh, some random stuff, and it's really cool that. I developed these awesome relationships with these awesome people, and let's let's hope they listen to me and come to Ann Arbor because there's a lot of special kids that I'm recruiting.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know that you're going after guys like uh, Thomas Fedone, Rocco Spindler. There, there are there any other guys other than those two? Because I know that you're you're probably pretty close with those guys at this point. Who else are you yeah. are you going after uh, in this class?
1: I mean, I'm really close with. Uh, Donovan Edwards, Lorenzo Stiles, um, Christian Dixon, Xavier <laughs> Worthy, um, Sam Mbake, who's going to be my teammate. Um, there's, there's a lot of dudes other than that too, that I've been talking to, but those are just a few off the top of my head.
0: Yeah. And that was going to be another thing that I ask is now that you're going down to IMG, uh, you've got tons of new players to familiarize yourself with. Have you gotten to know any of your teammates up to this point, I know you just recently had had released that news, but have you gotten to talk with any of those IMG players at this point?
1: Um, I haven't talked to the full defense yet. There's a couple of players on the team on defense who I've talked to and kind of built a relationship with, but the entire offense, I almost know everyone, and we're we're all on the same page and we got the same goal. So, uh, yeah, I've been talking to a lot of the players.
0: Now, I, I would imagine that some of those guys you would end up recruiting to Michigan as well just because IMG is a hotbed for talent, like you had mentioned earlier. Are there any younger players, not just in this 2021 class, but 2022 and beyond, any younger guys that you just look at and you're like, man, that guy is going to be one hell of a college talent at some point?
1: I mean, we got – I think there's eight in the top 300 for 2022. Something like that, and just a crazy, crazy, crazy number, and all the dudes are gonna be straight dudes. Like there, there, are some kids on this team where I've I haven't seen talent like that in a long time. So there's there's gonna be some crazy dudes, and I'm gonna be my butt off, especially with the 22 class. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna throw him a ball, throw him a touchdown, and be like, "All right, now you gotta go to Michigan now." <laughs>
0: playing,
1: playing all that, all that stuff, playing those games. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of talent in the 2022 class for our team.
0: And not just with IMG as well, but but you've you've got just a couple guys oh. right there in Illinois also with uh, Tyler Morris, Caleb Brown. How often are you in in those guys' ears too?
1: I mean, they, it's every time I talk to. Them. I um, mean, those, those two kids are generational talents, and I, I see that everyone who's seen them play sees that. So I'm trying everything I can to get those two studs at Michigan.
0: A final question for you, JJ, and I'll let you go. Well, what exactly do you hope to gain out of this experience at IMG Academy? What do you hope – to improve on in your game before you get to college, to try and compete for that starting job as a true freshman?
1: I mean, what I hope to gain going to IMG is just, honestly, from from my junior year to this year, I've gained so much knowledge in the game of football. It's crazy. And I can't wait to put that on display this year. And the amount of work that I put in and my teammates have put in it's it's going to be a special year, and to take out of it, I just want I just want to be able to adapt to the quickness of the game because college football is a lot faster than high school football. And playing against the top teams in South Florida and Alabama and all those schools are going to help me get ready for that speed. And I I just I'm so excited for this year. I'm so excited for Michigan and. I believe IMG is going to help me tremendously going into Michigan for sure.
0: Yeah, I I would certainly imagine so too. You're going to be playing a lot of top talent down there in Florida as well. So JJ, I really appreciate all the time today. Best of luck to you down in IMG and uh, hope to get you back on the podcast sometime soon, brother.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great day.
0: Hey, you too. Thanks a lot. Welcome back to the pod. Thank you. Again, to J.J. McCarthy for spending a little bit of his time with me going over all things Michigan football and recruiting. And uh, to further that conversation, I want to bring in John Simmons and Stephen Osentosky. Boys, I appreciate you guys hopping on here as usual. John, how you doing, man?
2: I'm doing well. Uh, Looking forward to talk about one of my favorite recruits of the the cycle.
0: Yeah, J.J.'s a good kid. Um, Definitely... It's just a walking soundbite. He just always has something funny and interesting to say. So uh he definitely brought that to the table this week. And uh and Steven, how are you doing, my friend?
3: Doing well. I'm impressed. You're you're already nailing the last name. asantoski isn't isn't an easy one, so you're you're uh, you're impressing me early on here in <laughs> early, early mason and brew days. But yeah, it was it was great to hear from McCarthy. Um and he, he talks like a guy who's my age and not a you know high schooler. He's very eloquent, yeah. and I wish I wish I was that uh that poised. You can tell he's put a lot of thought into not only his athletic career but also um, his networking as well.
0: I was nowhere near uh, his level of literacy when I was his age. I I I feel like I was just walking around, just going, "What's up, bro? Hey, man, dude!" Like just. Not the way that he talked whatsoever, and uh, a- as a person myself who gets his name mispronounced all the time, I make it uh, a life a goal of mine to pronounce everybody else's names correctly. So Asentowski, not too bad. I- I've I've had worse, so uh, so yeah, I, uh, I I greatly appreciate all of that. But I, I want to talk about today, just starting off here just a couple of the things that JJ had to say in that interview. The one thing that really stuck out to me was the fact that he is still going to remain committed to IMG down in Florida, regardless of if the COVID cases continue to rise in the state of Florida, which right now in this current time, they are Um, uh, again, this thing is just so fluid that by the time high school football season starts, Maybe they have things under control down in Florida, but as of right now, they definitely don't. Uh, so I found that really interesting, uh, just given the fact that uh, things seem to be cooling down a little bit in, in his state, in Illinois. But again, with the uncertainty of a high school season uh, in his state, it, it still makes sense for him to go down to Florida and, and, and play out his senior season of high school football. Uh, along with greg Crippen, and another michigan commit along the offensive line so i'll start with you john uh oh what did you find most interesting about his comments that he made in that interview and uh, uh just about his, his commitment to imG in general uh just given uh, the current climate of the state of florida with the uh, coronavirus
2: yeah it's, it was kind of hard to predict where which you know states are gonna be spiking like this and that Florida would be such a big epicenter in Illinois, maybe holding more steady now. So it's kind of unfortunate that uh, that move for him um, looks like the high school football could be affected. Um, But I still think I'm not surprised that he's going to stick around at IMG. I think the facilities and the coaching that he gets there are still going to be superior to anything that he can uh, have access to at home in Illinois or even Arizona, where he said, you know, he trains a lot. So I think that it's still a good decision for him to stay down there, even if no football is played. Um, I was looking at IMG's schedule today. They, they play teams all over the country usually, but they only have two away games so to Maryland and Louisiana. So it kind of depends on uh, what other schools do in different states uh, on how they want to play it. So I think there's a good chance IMG will get games in. Um, but I think even if they don't, it, he's going to get, you know, the great nutrition, workout facilities, all of that, that he needs to, to stay on track, even if he can't play.
0: Yeah, I, I think I, I think all of that is spot on. He's definitely going to have a, a really good chance to set himself up nicely for when he comes to Michigan as a true freshman. He said he wants to compete for that starting position, uh, his true freshman season, and that he has goals before he reaches college. And then during college as well, wants to win a national championship. So he's he's setting himself up nicely to be able to compete uh, for that starting position in 2021. Steven, I want to turn to you now. What did you find most interesting about uh, just everything he had to say? I don't know if you had uh, anything else uh, on the top of your head that he had said that really stuck out to you. But uh, I I found uh, all of those comments interesting, too. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I think it's a good point about COVID and and it's good to know that there's only two away games, but given how they play such a national, um, uh, a national, like a nationwide schedule, it's going to be really interesting to see how they fill that schedule of certain States, you know, don't allow uh, high school sports to play this fall. So we'll see how that actually fills out their, um, their actually schedule for 2020. But as John said, I think overall facilities coaching it's going to offer him a ton of opportunities that he may not get elsewhere. Um, and he'll be able to enroll early, which is, I believe, one of the main reasons he went to IMG. So I really liked his comments about having uh, the whiteboard in his room with one year, two year and five year um, goals for the future. So I think it's very level headed. I remember doing the same. Um, so that's it just shows how, you know, and he mentioned, you know, that one year his his reach goal of starting, even if he doesn't reach that he has backup goals and he's well suited for you know in in, it's good to stretch but you you have those longer term goals that you can still have so that you know wise beyond his years is something that kept coming to my mind when listening to him um and honestly this this transfer probably has to be one of the biggest seasons or, or one of the biggest things for michigan fans to pull for for a committed senior season for a high school recruit just because you think of all the connections he already has you know across Illinois within the state of Michigan those are relationships he's formed with other recruits and now at IMG which has a ton of younger guys as well it's a national powerhouse tons of exposure so he's in a position now to really show out and you know lead that team and he's such a strong uh, voice for Michigan Uh, you know I think it's pretty easy to see the potential of You know, if there's one recruit committed to Michigan right now that you're really rooting for his senior year, it's got to be J.J. McCarthy here. So I think it's really exciting both for him, um, you know, hopefully COVID works out for for this season. But um, yeah, just really impressed with with everything he had to say.
0: Well, the bottom line is J.J., not only is he a likable person and a likable player on the field, but he is an elite talent that these kids are going to want to play with. And like you said, him going down to IMG, he's going to be able to recruit all those other top players in the state of Florida. And then also just at IMG Academy as well. There's always tons of talent down at IMG. So, yeah, if he's able to to ball out his senior season and show these kids that he can do all of these things and then play for Michigan, maybe they would want to follow him to Michigan. And uh, it it can only help. It, It can't hurt you. In, in any way. So, yeah, I, I think uh, you're spot on. If, if you're rooting for one kid to really ball out his senior season, it's definitely J.J. McCarthy. He just loves competing. He loves getting better, as he had said. And uh, he's currently competing in the Elite 11 Finals right now, uh, pretty much as we're recording this, uh, along with tons of other five-star quarterbacks in this 2021 class. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's always trying to prove himself, even though he doesn't really have a ton else to prove currently, at least uh, in the high school ranks, just he's he's already done so much his first three seasons at Nazareth. So yeah, always wanting to compete. And, and I, I quite honestly respect him quite greatly. Um, he, he was a really good kid to talk to. And again, thank you to uh, JJ for stopping by the pod. Hope we can get him back on soon. I uh, want to shift our attention here, though, to... Uh, another kid in the 2021 class who had committed to Michigan in this past week. And that's Christian Dixon, the four-star wide receiver out in California, longtime target of Josh Gaddis and Michigan. And uh, John, I'll start with you. I I, I don't really understand the rankings drop from him in the last 24-7 sports update in the rankings uh, of the offensive players. That happened a couple weeks ago. I thought where he was at was a pretty decent spot. He's still a four-star, but 24-7 dropped him in their personal rankings uh, to a three-star. So um, I don't know if it's the lack of high-end speed, but I think he's a a pretty good route runner and uh, he's really good with his hands from what I've seen as well. So again, don't really understand the rankings drop, but john what do you think of him and uh can you explain this rankings drop for me please
2: yeah i don't really get the the rankings drop either just because it was it was a big drop from a, a three drop in the ratings from 90 to 87 which uh drops him from a four to a three star uh and he, he goes to mad matter day which is not a school that uh is lacking any eyeballs on it they're number one you know, in the country for most of the year last year with Bryce Young, who the Alabama five-star as his quarterback. Uh, So I feel like there wasn't a lot to unearth by watching his tape that people didn't see already in the fall. Um, There definitely was an adjustment period that people, that the analysts are talking about uh, as mostly as the reason he didn't really uh, match his production as much. He had about 200 fewer receiving yards and three fewer touchdowns at matter day than he did at diamond ranch. But then you kind of look at the, the talent all around talent is much better at matter day. Obviously you've got CJ Williams, a top 50, 2022 receiver, uh, the Chiron Ware Hudson, the four star committee, Oregon and a few other guys that, you know, there's a lot of uh, passes to be spread out there. So um, I think it just is him going up against better cornerbacks, better defensive backs in general at, uh, matter day and kind of proving himself there with, with more uh, experience. I think his senior season is going to have uh, a lot of people watching him to see if he bounces back a little bit more. Uh, I think he's got all the natural skills that you need. He's got, he's pretty smooth catching the ball. He's got a good body control. Um, he's uh, pretty good footwork and route running. He's, he's more of a technician, I'd say than a burner athlete guy um, that's going to take the top off, but he does, Uh, play on the outside a lot. I kind of compare him in my mind to a slightly less athletic Amara Darbo um, from a few years ago who's played on the outside was more of a possession guy. I think that's what uh, Dixon's going to be at Michigan.
0: Yeah, and they need a few guys like this in this class because they pretty much took all slot guys in the last cycle. So I think Dixon's a pretty good pickup here. And and pretty much everything that you said, John, and I'm sorry I didn't allude to this earlier uh, before you started here, but you've got a scouting report. A full scouting report with gifts and all on maizeandbrew.com. So go check that out uh, if you get the chance. Steven, I want to turn the attention to you now. Uh, what did you think of him uh, when you had saw him on tape if you had the chance? And uh, I, I mean, pretty much everything John said, I agree with. I think this is a really good pickup. Michigan's second wide receiver commit in the class. They're going to get a few more here. You would uh, imagine they're going to at least try to go for guys like Jaden Thomas and, and Xavier Worthy. And Lorenzo Styles, who is a guy that JJ had said earlier that he's recruiting for Michigan. So what do you think, Mr. Asentowski, about Michigan's latest recruit commitment?
3: Yeah, I think it's it's good to mix up, you know, you have the Giles Jacksons, the Mike Sea the slot bugs that we've we've come to love under Josh Gaddis, and you need to offset that with some clear outside guys, and obviously that's what you get with Dixon at six one and a half or six two. Um, I was also pretty shocked watching his film. I couldn't, I can't think of you know ninety odd wide receivers in the class that are better than him with his skill set, and you know he was a guy who was in all the services top one hundred overall, and two four seven dropped him right around a hundred wide receiver in the class. So I feel like I'm missing something. Uh. Usually with guys, I can tell if they're like bobbling passes or don't look comfortable, but he rarely has to like break stride on his ball. So it's, it, it doesn't seem that hands are an issue. Obviously with highlight film, you're not going to see drops, but it there was nothing that alluded to, you know, any ball security issues or something that he wasn't comfortable catching the ball. It seems like his most natural position. Obviously he's playing at, at matter day, a high program. So nothing really jumped out as like, yeah, I see why he dropped that far. Um, as John mentioned, the the transition from a smaller program to a program like Matter Day obviously will uh, affect someone's confidence. I think they're punishing him a little bit too hard for that. I mean, his forty time of four six three, you'd like to see that in you know maybe the four fives range. I think the shuttle is probably what's hurting him the most. It's at a four five seven. Um, so I think if he has a little bit cleaner routes. Uh, a little bit more quickness there rather than just full speed. Cause at that height, you don't really need the speed. Um, but so I think that shuttle and vertical at 32.3, th- those two things scare me a little bit, but I mean, he, he looked still comfortable and very natural at matter day in the film that I was watching. So I, I'm, I still like the pickup just because his body control in the air was good. He's not a guy who will burn you after the catch, but he showed good instincts when plays were breaking down. He followed the quarterback's eyes, and, and he just looked like a very natural wide receiver on the outside. So I, I like it just because we need more outside wide receivers with kind of where we've been recruiting, and I think he's he's due for a bounce back as he you know has his feet under him now at a larger program, and he has a full year now with new coaches and new players. So I'm expecting him to bounce back pretty, pretty well. His senior year, I think it's a guy with a a higher floor um, with his skill set. And it'll just be about refining that technique, getting those testing numbers. Um, So I think hopefully with another year, he'll get a little bit more comfortable and have that confidence back to uh, show out his senior year.
0: Yeah. Well, he's going to be the guy for his senior season. There were other guys ahead of him. His junior year, so again, like uh, John had mentioned earlier, the stats weren't where he would have wanted it for, for playing at such a powerhouse high school uh, at Matter Day. Uh, he definitely had a better sophomore season than he did junior year, so he'll definitely have the chance to rebound and uh, pick pick up the pieces uh, where he pr- pretty much pick up where he left off after his uh, sophomore season. So I mean, he'll get that opportunity to go back up in the rankings. And uh, if he has, uh, if he's able to improve those numbers, cause yeah, the shuttle time is definitely a little concerning and you would like the 40 time to be a little better than that. But I, 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 I think as far as just overall wide receiver talent goes, I think it's pretty much all there. Uh, he's just got to be more consistent with everything. So I think he'll have the opportunity to raise his ranking back up, and uh, who knows, maybe twenty four seven will will increase it the next time they do their offensive rankings, which I think will be in August. So, uh, moving on, I want to talk one about one more guy today, and uh, Camonte Grimes is that guy. He released his top five not long ago, and he included Michigan and uh, along with Nebraska, Miami, Florida, Kentucky, and Maryland. Uh, He is a a three-star. He's listed as an athlete, but Michigan's recruiting him to play pretty much all over the defensive backfield, whether it be Viper or safety or cornerback. He's kind of one of those flex guys that Michigan's been going after, like a Ryan Barnes uh, that they've been going after in this class, been going after a few. They've got one cornerback commit and one safety commit in this class. So they definitely want to go get a couple more defensive backs, you would think. So Grimes is definitely one of the candidates for that. If they're wanting to play him strictly at corner, I'm not a huge fan of the film that I saw on corner for him, John, but I think as far as everything else goes, just versatility and the chance to play offense too. He does play offense. He plays wide receiver at uh, his high school in Naples, Florida. I think the talent's there, but I, I think there's some work that needs to be done if they're recruiting him strictly for cornerback, but it kind of sounds like they want to play him all over, uh, which I I think the talent is there, but yeah, I mean there there's definitely some things that need to be worked on for sure, John.
2: Yeah, I'm not a fan of his uh, defensive back tape just because there's barely any of it. Uh, his like junior highlight film is mostly him playing wide receiver. Um, from the clips that you get of him playing defense, it's mostly him tackling the ball to or tackling the ball carrier. Um, so. That kind of looks like a viper to me. He's six three. It looks uh, legit too. It looks pretty tall. Um, so I think that he could put on some weight and kind of be that viper position. I don't know if he has the athleticism to stick at corner either. Um, I think safety viper is probably where he ends up. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of interesting because Michigan is recruiting him as a defensive back when he wants to play. When I, I think offense is his preference, um, I'm not sure how many of the other schools in this top five are recruiting him. Uh, for defense, but usually Mich- Michigan will go with the the side of the ball that the player prefers, or they'll let him play on both sides. And I have heard him say them say that he could be a little bit of the Jabril Peppers and play safety, Viper, wide receiver too. But I just don't think he's the, that that uh, type of athlete that Peppers was. And he Grimes is another guy that was a mid four star at one point, but then he's dropped down to. Uh, mid to high three-star. And I think that drop makes a lot more sense while looking at the film that I saw.
0: Yeah, he's really had a fall from grace in the rankings. Started off as a 96, and then just kept going down, going down, went back up a little bit to a 90, and now he's sitting at an 87 on 24-7's composite. So right around... Uh, he's a, he's from number 515 overall on uh, the, the composite ranking. So yeah, I... I'm, I'm just not a fan of, of his corner stuff. I, I like the uh, the way that he goes after after guys. I, I think he's he can pre- be pretty violent on defense. Uh, but yeah, it does sound like he wants to play offense over defense, but the recruitment that Michigan's going after, it sounds like they're kind of giving him a chance to do both. And I think if you want to get a kid that wants to play offense – but he is intrigued by this interesting situation of being able to be the Viper perhaps in this defense, be the Jabril Peppers kind of versatile guy. Uh, you you got to kind of pitch a, a little bit extra, sweeten up the deal a little bit. And uh, if they put him on offense, I think I, I definitely like his wide receiver tape. I think the wide receiver tape is pretty good. Um but yeah, Stephen, I I want to get your take on this as well. What do you think of his film and uh, what he brings to the table? And and me personally, I I would rather uh, the Wolverines go after uh, another strict cornerback or two for this class. Uh, I I don't really see the need for for a, a cornerback safety hybrid kind of guy. I think they already got a, a few of those in Ann Arbor. Um, Me personally, I think they need another strict cornerback or two in this class. Steven, what do you think?
3: Yeah, and and it's my personal preference, so I'm definitely biased that I'll take a 5'8", Andre Seldon-type guy who's clearly a corner, will always be a corner, but um, I'm always privy to those guys who are corner all the way than a guy who's 6'2", 6'3", who might be able to be transformed. Into a corner after a couple of years, um, but you know might be a safety. So I'm always of the uh, former of those guys who are strict corners, as you said. But um, I agree, especially given his shuttle time. Again, I'm I'm a guy who <laughs> I like looking at testing numbers. I think they're a good a good barometer, especially for defensive backs. And a four six five at the shuttle. You know, if he gets some training, maybe he can get that up to a a four three or a four four shuttle, and even that is at the lower end of where you want a defensive back to be. That's just such an important metric for those defensive backs. So I don't really see that there. He reminded me a bit of Jamaric Woods. Um, I didn't see as much film on defense, as John was saying, um, as I did Jamaric Woods when he came in. Uh, a thing I did like, he is a high academic guy, so he's really pushing in the classroom. So that's always good to see. It's something that I'm, I'm always looking for when I'm reading up on guys. So – Looking at his top five in Michigan definitely stands out compared to Miami, Nebraska, Kentucky, and Maryland. Um, you know, I, I think Michigan sets themselves apart there a bit, and he wants to be be a, a pediatric surgeon, which is great to see. So he takes it very seriously. So if Michigan yeah. does see a role for him, you know, I always like to see that, and uh, Michigan has a relationship between. Uh, Don Brown and Grimes's coach, Coach Gibbs, they go way back before Don Brown's time at, I believe it was Northeastern College. So I think that might be where the push for defense might be coming just because of that personal connection between uh, the coaches there. Um, I agree on offense. He looks a little bit more natural. He uh, makes it look really smooth. There was a couple plays through contact that guys are just bouncing off of him and he he's looking he looks pretty intimidating at that size so uh you know I I would like to see him start at uh at wide receiver and if he can mold into a safety position or if it gets too crowded at wide receiver he could have potential there but but yeah I I, I'm kind of on the fence with him right now just because I don't know where he'll best end up but uh, I agree that corner likely isn't it but Um, If Michigan wants him, it seems like they have the right relationships and that their uh, academic standards line up with what uh, Camonte Grimes is looking for. So, intriguing prospect. Um, I just want to see a little bit more before I'm, you know, all in.
0: Yeah, and I didn't mean for this to uh, by any means be a uh, bash Camonte Grimes segment. Uh, And I'm sure that he is a great kid. And uh, and and a high academic kid, you definitely want to go after those guys. If if you're a coach for Michigan, you don't want your kids to come in and be a slouch in the classroom because then you won't be able to play football. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you made a, a pretty good comparison there. It's just when when you when you bring in these guys where you don't really know where you're going to play them, but they can kind of play here, kind of play there. It doesn't really. S- give them a a firm spot of where they're going to play. And then they could be bouncing around uh, their entire career at U of M kind of like a Philip Paye. He's kind of been flipping and flopping between offensive guard and defensive tackle his entire time in Ann Arbor. And uh, obviously the the toll that 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 would probably take on a kid. And and I don't know what these guys go through when it goes from, you know, whether it's offensive or defensive line or wide receiver to uh, safety or whatever. Um, I mean, me personally, I don't know about you guys, but I would hate that. I, I mean, I would absolutely hate to be recruited as a wide receiver and, and think I'm going to play wide receiver and then get switched to cornerback and then go back to wide receiver and then, you know, keep flipping and flopping. You can't really find a firm spot on the football field. Of course, you still probably feel part of the team, but you're not getting any significant minutes on the football field because you don't have a firm spot. And that's kind of where I'm at with, with that. Um Hopefully everything works out for his recruitment, uh, John. But I just I, I would rather Michigan go after a, a couple cornerbacks harder, like a Sayer Wright, for example. Um, you know, I, I think they need more guys that kind of already have their roles cemented before they even step on a college campus as a true freshman. I, I would much rather have U of M go after kids like that. But again, I don't want to bash these these kids that are kind of in-betweeners because I'm sure that they all mean well and I'm sure that they are all high academic kids um, like Steven said.
2: Yeah, for sure. And it's, for me, it's not even that the position is kind of ambiguous right now because I think Michigan wants someone who can play both cornerback or safety. I just don't think Grimes is the guy that fits that mold. I think he's more safety linebacker. So I'd rather them go in someone who's probably a little bit smaller and has the better testing numbers that agility like Steven was talking about that can uh, move side to side and has better long speed, which is much more essential for defensive back. So uh, yeah, like a Damon, David, Sierra, right. I'm sure could play either one, but he'd probably just stick at corner cause he's a top hundred player. Exactly. Um, so Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd rather just guy with the highest ceiling at the cornerback position rather than someone who's <laughs> more likely to bulk up. Um, Michigan tried those six three corners. They had some success with, you know, Jeremy Clark and Channing Stribbling, but neither of them were really that transcendent. And then the, the 2018 class, uh, Vincent Gray's worked out so far, but a lot of the other guys um, that were supposed to be that new generation of like lanky, longer uh, defensive backs haven't panned out yet. So, they, and they still have a chance too, but I think it's better just to go after, I think guys that are more traditional cornerback bodies and then potentially move them to safety than it is to guy, take a guy who's more likely a safety and try to pigeonhole him into being a corner.
0: Steven, I'll give you the last word. Did you want to add anything else, brother?
3: Yeah, and I think that's a good point where there's not a whole lot that you can do if that doesn't work out, where it's kind of a gamble, right? If you have a 6'2", 6'3", guy that you're trying to put into that position and You know, if you have a safety linebacker, um, I'm just thinking of like a Cleek Hudson sort of role. He could bulk up and be that sort of weak side linebacker. I think we saw exactly that with Jordan Glasgow and he got drafted, you know, both him and Hudson got uh, drafted, but they were much shorter. You know, they were on that line rather than a defensive back safety where, um, you know, Jamar Woods found a home there. But um, it's just a little bit tougher to find Find a home if if that doesn't work out. Where if you're closer to that uh, safety linebacker mold, like a, a Glasgow or Hudson, I think Michigan has a lot of um, positional flexibility there. Where uh, Grimes might struggle to fit in that a little bit more. So that's a good point. And um, and yeah, I I am privy to Andre Seldon. He he's the guy I covered um, on one of my earlier episodes so I'm definitely biased and uh, as you mentioned um, not going after Grimes here but if Michigan is pushing for a wide receiver I think Grimes is an intriguing prospect so I want them to stick with him on the offensive side And I'm hoping this defensive talk for him is mainly because of the relationship uh, that coach Brown has with uh, Grimes's coach but but we'll see we'll see
0: yeah I mean if Michigan swings and misses on Jane Thomas, Xavier Worthy, these other wide receivers that they're going after. Yeah. I I think Grimes would be a very interesting uh, player to target, to play wide receiver. I I think from what I saw on the tape, I really liked what I saw out of him on offense. Uh, It it would certainly be an interesting proposition. If if they uh, turn to the offensive side of things, if, if, if Worthy and these other wide receiver targets that they're going after end up committing elsewhere, um, would it would be an interesting pitch to say, you know what? I, we do want to play on offense. Come on to Michigan. Let, let's play on offense. So but boys, I, I appreciate you jumping on the pod as always. Uh John,
2: where can we find you on Twitter, brother? At Simmons underscore John.
0: Steven, how about you, buddy? At Steven Tosky. Steven Tosky. Love it. All right. Well, uh, we will take a quick break here and uh, coming up, we're going to get Anthony Broom on the podcast today. We're going to talk some Michigan hoops recruiting. So stick around. We'll be right back. All right. And we are back. Thanks for sticking with us for our basketball segment here on Future Brew this week. Joining me today for the first time on the pod is our team site leader, Anthony Broom. Man, how you doing?
4: I'm doing well. Um, tough act to follow with the other uh, folks on this pod uh, this week, but oh, glad to be here.
0: Not true. No, <laughs> no, nobody nobody can topple the one, the only, Anthony Broom. We're happy to have you on. COVID and, uh, Yeah, Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I guess if there's one thing that can stop us, it is right now at least COVID, but sure. uh, that's not going to stop us today. We're, we're going to power through and we're going to talk about some Michigan hoops and we have uh, neglected the Michigan basketball recruiting on this podcast for far too long. And uh, we're, we're going to hit it today a little bit, um, mainly just because Michigan picked up its first commitment of the 2021 class within this past week. And uh, that comes in the form of Isaiah Barnes, a 6'6", small forward from Oak Park, Illinois. Not Oak Park, Michigan, Oak Park, Illinois. When I first saw that, I was like, Oak Park, That. That's not too far from where I live here in Royal Oak, but nope, it's in Illinois plays at river forest high school. He is uh, currently on the composite number 114 overall number five player in the state of Illinois. This kid's got a lot of, uh, a lot of game here, Anthony. And I know that you've been, uh, you, you've really been the, uh, the beacon for Michigan basketball recruiting here on, on Mason and brew for a little while now. And uh, it, to tell us a little more about Isaiah Barnes because, if, if I'm being super honest with you, I don't know a ton about him. He seems to be like a kind of like a, a flex guard forward type of player, yeah. one of those types of players that Jawan has really been recruiting hard, uh, not just in this cycle, but in this past cycle too. So it, it seems like he can defend multiple positions, play multiple positions. Uh, And it seems like a pretty good get for Michigan, honestly. I I would never say no to a a fringe top 100 player uh, that wants to play at Michigan. So I'd say it's a pretty decent way to start off the class here, Anthony.
4: Yeah, in terms of a first guy in a class that, you know, right now there are five scholarship spots open. There could be as many as six or seven. Um, You know, if Chandy Brown is eligible this year, that's a scholarship that will be available for next year. If Franz Wagner goes pro after this upcoming season, That'll be that'll be how they get to their seven. And again, you know, it's one of those things. And I talked about it in an article that uh, we posted on Monday. Is they have a lot of spots to fill, and they they do have a decent amount of needs. And it's going to be one of those things where you know you look at how things were coming into this off season. We were asking, well, how are how are they going to fit all this under you know under the scholarship limit? And they had transfers out, they had transfers in, they had a couple of recruiting defections uh, in Josh Christopher and Isaiah Todd. And where we stand today, they're one under the limit now for next season. So you kind of don't – you have to just kind of trust that everything will work itself out because that's just kind of how the sport is. There is a lot of fluidity, especially you know, a program like Michigan now is aspiring to recruit guys that want to be in the league after a year or two. So everything's going to always kind of be fluid and in motion. But you look at a guy like Isaiah Barnes and – you know, Von, you kind of open up by saying you don't know a ton about him. You're not the only one because Barnes was a guy who um, he's always, you know, in, in revisiting where his recruitment has been and, and his development as a prospect. He's always been a very toolsy guy, very raw, lots of potential. But he had a big junior season this past year. And, you know, his his offer sheet started to explode a little bit. You saw some big 10 schools reach out. I believe that Kansas reached out. Um and the unfortunate thing about, you know, we joked about COVID to open up the segment here, but um, that cut everybody's season short. And not only did yeah. that cut the season short, but it also cut down. There's really, there hasn't been like a spring evaluation period. There's not going to be, um, you know, these summer camps and, and things like that to, you know, just like on the football side of things, evaluating prospects is pretty difficult right now. But when you look at a guy like Barnes, uh, very athletic, like I said, he's a toolsy guy. Um, you know, you hit on in this era where Michigan is kind of trying to play more of an NBA positionless basketball type of uh, put that type of team together. This is a guy who can probably guard two or three spots on the floor. Um, he's a wing, but probably more of a two guard uh, in, in this offense. And, and really what it is, is I think this is the first player really that Joan Howard has recruited where you can say, this is a catch and shoot guy. Like this guy can shoot. You look at their offense last year. The the one thing they were missing consistently, um, you know, even with injuries and inconsistencies, were you know when the it, it, this has kind of always been the case at Michigan, even going back to Beeline. When those shots from the perimeter fall, they're a pretty good basketball team, but they don't have enough of those guys that can do that. Um, you look at Barnes. I mean, he is twenty four seven sports. I, I know we go by the composite. I think you said he was. It's like something like 104 or 114, some, something in that range. But when sport or 24-7 sports updated their rankings, their personal rankings about a week or so ago, and they have him at 85. So he's a four-star guy. He's either in the top 100 or knocking on the door of the top 100, and he still has another season of basketball to go. Um, this is a good first get for them. And like I said, you look at what's the ceiling, what's the floor. It's so hard to tell. I mean, even – basketball is such a in a lot of ways so much more than football a, a kind of a crapshoot unless you're getting those guys that are pros at the prom so to speak but I think at the very least you look at a guy like Isaiah Barnes and um, I think MGO blog had a a comparison on him of maybe a less explosive Charles Matthews uh, I think what you're getting in this guy is he's he's not a one-year player probably not a two-year player, maybe three- or four-year player. We'll see. But I think what the kind of the floor for him is, is I think at the very least, he can be a guy who comes off the bench and is one of those three-and-D type of guys um, on your roster. So, yeah, it's a a good first get. And, you know, when you have so many spots to fill, even if they just have five spots to fill, for a basketball recruiting class, I mean, that's that's 40% of your roster. So um, to be able to hopefully mix this class with – maybe some star power and then guys like Barnes who are raw yeah. and still developing. I think that's pretty, you can afford to do that. And I think that's a pretty ideal first get.
0: Well, not, not only can they afford to do that, but I think that's honestly a, a, a pretty way, a pretty good way to go about building a class. Cause you don't want an entire five or six or seven man class to be all five stars. Cause odds are a, a lot of those players are going to end up leaving after one season. Yeah. Um, You know, so you 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 definitely need some of those guys to come off the bench and be three and D type players. And uh, if if Barnes is going to contribute that for three or four seasons, I would be more than welcome to that. Uh, Every every team needs a guy to come off the bench and get hot and be able to do that stuff. So if 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 he ends up being that, if that's his floor, I would definitely take that if I were Juwan Howard and uh, the Michigan coaches over there in Ann Arbor. So yeah, I, I I agree. I think it's a good way to start off the class and. Like you had kind of alluded to, they're really going after a ton of five-star guys as well. And fringe five-star guys. Uh, I mean, like you write in this uh, kind of a prediction article of what might be next here for Michigan basketball, which, as you said earlier, is already on mazesbrew.com. Five-star forward Harrison Ingram being one of them that they're going after. They're going after a ton of five-star big men, too. Uh, Charles, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Betty Aco, the, uh, uh the I Canadian that's guy. Right? <laughs> yeah, Canadian. it sounds right. It sounds right to me. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds Canadian. Charles Betty Aco, Um, he he's a very talented uh, five-star big man. And then Efton Reed being another one. Uh, they're going after a ton of uh, fringe five-star talent as well with Jalen Warley being the uh, big combo guard uh, that uh, Phil Martelli is really recruiting. Uh, uh, really, really hard. He has uh, had a relationship with him going on for a while. So, and, and not to mention the in-state guys too. Jaden Atkins uh, being the four-star guard uh, that they are going after the hardest. He's from Farmington, Michigan, and then Kobe Buffkin being the other four-star guard from uh, Grand Rapids. So I, they're going after a ton of guys uh, that are fringe five stars or already five stars. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they, the, the sky's the limit for this class. I, I think if there's a prediction to be made for any of these guys, I, I think they have the best shot with Jalen Warley as of right now and then probably one of these in-state kids and then maybe throw in one of those uh, highly ranked uh, centers that uh, I already mentioned And uh, I mean, that would probably be a pretty good class when it's all said and done, one that they would gladly take. And, uh, you know, barring any last second Isaiah Todd or Josh Christopher kind of situation, I think that they would be able to land all those aforementioned guys.
4: Yeah. Um, Well, you look at, you know, we also have the offer board up on the site and I think. Off the top of my head, I believe they have 27 offers right now, and more than half of those are out to top 30 guys. So for anyone that was concerned that the Josh Christopher and Isaiah Todd thing might scare them away from elite talent, it hasn't. Now, when you look at the top of the board, um, you know the, the nation's number one player, Jonathan Kaminga, he's not coming. Michigan's already out of the running. Uh, Chet Holmgren just put them in the top seven. Patrick yeah. Baldwin is still considering them. You know, Jaden Hardy, Michael Foster – Max Christie, there's all these guys there. Um, Even if you just chop off the top five or six names on the offer board and say they're going to the G League or they're going to Duke or they're going to Kentucky, because I think that's kind of like the big three of what you can usually expect. There's still a pretty thorough board and and list here. So um, like I said, in terms of, you know, where do they go next? I kind of think that that point guard combo guard position is pretty important because, after this season, you're going to lose Eli Brooks. You're going to lose Mike Smith, uh, the grad transfer, and all you'll really have is Zeb Jackson. Now, Zeb Jackson's interesting because uh, you know I think we're excited about him, and he was a John. He was actually a John Beeline commit, but um, there are people who think that maybe he trended a little downward towards the end of his high school career. So, we'll if that's all you have there, um, you know, we assume that he's going to get some playing time this year and, and maybe he's ready for a bigger role in year two, but you still need bodies there behind him. Um, if it's just him, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, Jalen war Jalen Worley makes sense to me. Uh, Angelo Brizzy would make sense to me as well. Those are two guys that Phil Martelli has a relationship with and that they've been working pretty hard. Um, a- Jaden Akins uh, from Farmington. I believe it was announced uh, today that he's going to be leaving Farmington and going to play with Imani Bates at the, uh, that, the yeah, that's right. So, yes. um, you're going to see some of that there too. Maybe some of those guys raise up. There's a couple sleepers on that team, namely in like the 2022 class as well. So that's, that's going to be worth keeping an eye on. But yeah, you look at this class, um, and, and you talked about the big guys too, kind of a sneaky, important need, uh, which, even with these these five spots to fill, maybe you, you have to press there a little bit because after this year too, like you said, you're going to lose Austin Davis and all you'll have for next year in terms of guys who have experience playing the five is they'll have a true center in Hunter Dickinson and then Brandon Johns can play the five, assuming he sticks around for his senior year. Um, so you need a guy who can at least – play the five he doesn't have to be a true center but you know a guy like efton reed you know there's been buzz that michigan has been looking for him to you know there's been a push maybe to reclassify and he join he becomes the guy that takes that last spot for this year now i don't think that's very likely it doesn't seem like it's likely especially given the fact that no one can come see campus right now so to kind of push that timeline up doesn't seem all that realistic but i would expect them to be in the mix for efton reed i'd expect them to be in the mix for uh for Charles Bediaco. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot still at play here. Um, And I think, you know, even let's just say that the highest guy you land is the number 15 player in the country. I I think that's kind of out of the Isaiah Todd, Josh Christopher range. It's a little bit lower, but you're still looking at five-star guys, Harrison Ingram's in the mix there. If you can get one of Harrison Ingram or Trevor, Trevor Keels or Maybe you'd really take a big swing and somehow land both of them. they are a good shot. They're, they're really good shape for a lot of these guys here still. So um, it's still early. I mean, I think the 2021 class is going to be, you'll see recruitments that stretch out much longer than normal. Uh, a guy like uh, Will Cheddar is a, a sleeper as well. I don't think he's rated right now, but someone who's looking to make his commitment before his, his senior season starts. But um he hasn't been able to go anywhere. No one's been able to go anywhere. So I can see instead of, you know, we, we see a flurry of those early, early commitments, you know, before the December signing period. I don't think we're going to see as many of those this year. So um, it might be another nine or 10 months still before we know who fills out this class. But um, when you look at the, the wide net that they've cast and, and that they will continue to cast, though, I kind of think that the guys that you see in the mix now are, are going to be mostly who fills this class out because we're starting to see them push for 2022 guys too. So yeah. um, Yeah. We'll see what happens. But like I said, right now, um, like I wrote in the article, it's kind of an exercise in in futility to try to sit here and predict what a class of potentially six or seven guys could look like. But when you look like, when you look at who is still in the mix and and what they could do, you know, there, there's no reason to, there's nothing here that says that they won't have another good class and maybe another top 10 class. We'll have to see.
0: Yeah. yeah, There really is no way of going about knowing right now who's going to be in the class just because there are so many curveballs that can be thrown, especially with COVID still going on. And even just with the kids getting more offers and things along those lines. And you mentioned Will Cheddar being one of those guys and, and, uh, yeah, that, that's mainly a Michigan-Minnesota battle at this point, it, it appears at least. And he's ranked number 150 right now after the re-ranks that uh, 24-7 put out uh, within the last week or so. But Michigan's, uh, for these prospects on 24-7, Michigan's listed as warm for about seven or eight guys. And they're not going to land every single one of those guys just because that just it, it wouldn't be doable. And then you've got the other... Uh, prospects that they're going after that are still kind of unknown that they don't really have a ton of intel on right now so I mean they could fit uh, actually be warm for other guys like Angelo Brizzi like you mentioned but his recruitment really hasn't taken off fully yet uh, even though Michigan is fully involved there um, so yeah I mean there's there's a ton of stuff that can happen between now and signing day and I I think I think you're right I don't think there are going to be a lot of kids signing during this early signing period this year, just because of everything going on. And I feel like they would want to take their time more with things, especially if they want to go take visits and things along those lines, they're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. I would imagine uh, at well, least to a full visit experience, like they're used to like going to a game and. Well, and here's, stuff.
4: here's the thing too, as, you know, let's, let's take our current situation and call it what it is. Like if it's true, like if there's not some sort of preventative treatment or or vaccine uh, for this virus before, you know, February, March next year, like I think maybe, I think maybe by December, we're going to know if there's going to be a vaccine or not. And if there isn't, no one's traveling. So then you might see these timelines accelerate a little bit. It's going to be interesting because, you know, doing zoom calls to recruit I know you guys have talked about it with football and and basketball has been doing the same thing. Um, Right. These programs are going to have to get really creative. So um, yeah, I I don't like it's impossible to know what things will look like a month from now, let alone nine or 10 months from now. But um, yeah, none of these, a lot of these recruitments really haven't taken off yet. And, and they won't until the fall and then Mm -hmm. we'll see what things are looking like travel wise and whatnot by then. Maybe, maybe some, Schools will be able to do like regional travel, but um, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's definitely a layer to all of this, but you know, like I said, assuming that the guys in the mix are who they're in on, I, I think the math supports that they're going to have a pretty good class here. So I, I, I don't doubt that at all. It's really just a matter of, I, I think that you could get by uh, without some high end star power. Cause you're building a program here, like in the last class, uh, Terrence Williams, Hunter Dickinson, Zeb Jackson, those are program guys you expect them to be around. Uh, Isaiah Barnes is a guy that you expect to be around. Um, mm-hmm. So it could be worse. Um, you know, Villanova doesn't really hit on a ton of these high end prospects, but they're always a team that's there and seemingly in the mix. And, and there are schools all over the country like that. So um, you want the best players you can get, but. We'll, we'll just have to see, but like I said, I think everything, like I led with here, I think everything is, the ingredients are kind of there for this to be the best of both worlds.
0: Yeah, and uh, I mean, you hit on last year, too, with with the whole uh, situation with Isaiah Todd and Josh Christopher, they still ended up with the number 14 overall class and the best class in the Big Ten. Uh, so I, I think if that's kind of what would happen this season, I I think they would be okay with that, given the situation. Um, There's nothing wrong with taking a few really high-end guys like Dickinson and Jackson, who I'm really big fans of, and then having a couple guys round out the class who are probably going to be around for a little bit, like Terrence Williams. I would imagine Jace Howard's going to be along for probably all four seasons. And then you get your couple transfers with Mike Smith and Shawnee Brown. I think they're more than happy with the class that they're bringing in now, And I think that they would be okay with that if they bring that in with uh, this 2021 class as well. But like we talked about earlier, just because they did miss on those five stars, they're not going to back down from getting those Isaiah Todd's and Josh Christopher's of the world just because of the situation that took place with those recruitments. They're still going to be swinging for those five stars. And and you think that you think that uh, they're going to hit on one of them at one point. At some point, they will get some of those five stars, kind of like how it was with with Jim Harbaugh when he first came to Michigan. You expected five stars to be signing left and right, and it hasn't been that way. They've signed a few five stars here and there, but you're you're not going to get all of them. It's just impossible to do all that. So the odds will play out, and they will get these big-time star players at some point. But at the end of the day, some – players like Isaiah Barnes committing to Michigan. You need those kinds of guys in yeah. these classes. Those are glue you guys. absolutely need them. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So,
4: yeah, that's, like I said, I think that I, I, I'm i not, I don't question this staff's ability to recruit. I think the fact that they even had the ear of um, really Isaiah, they, they, Isaiah Todd committed in October. Juwan Howard hadn't coached a basketball game yet. Josh Christopher was a heavy, seemed like he was a heavy UCLA, you know, out west lean, and Michigan was in the mix all the way up till, you know, just before midnight when he finally made his decision. Um, yeah, I think that speaks to, like, I think you have a charismatic guy there, and I think you have a genuine guy there that, like, these there there's genuine interest there. The one thing, and I don't want to get too much on a tangent here because we could probably do a whole show on just this topic, but. I think when you when you do look at some of the elite recruits, and I'm not saying that they're selfish or they have big egos, but a lot of those guys who are one and done type of players they are they are brands before they even hit a college campus. I mean Josh Christopher had I think seven hundred and fifty thousand Instagram followers or something insane like that. yeah, so one of those things too, where sometimes I wonder if Michigan and that block M being the brand that it is. I wonder if some guys are, I wouldn't say scared off, but maybe the idea that that brand is bigger than them is not as, is not all that appealing to them. You know, Josh Christopher is going to go to Arizona state and be a star and be on a fun campus and, and all that stuff. But, you know, Josh Christopher come to Michigan and while he'd be a good player, a, a probably potentially a great player um, mm-hmm. that block M is always going to will endure longer than he does. So, I don't know if that sounds like a cocky Michigan man thing, but it's just, you know, it's, it's, I'm just think from like a branding standpoint. Um, See, I, I feel like the brands would help each other though. Wouldn't you? I, you would I think, think so. If, yeah. I mean, with, with, as we saw with those two guys, um, Todd and Christopher, they're also yeah. a little bit wired differently. Um, and that's the other thing. When you look at some of these elite recruits, if Duke and, and Kentucky aren't involved, or North Carolina isn't involved. I do kind of worry about the, that a little bit because like, what's the catch? Because they're yeah. in on everybody. They get whoever they want. So um, pretty much, but with the G league and all that stuff, we'll see. I think it's going to make it everything really interesting here. Um, you've got G league now. And then presumably in the next few years, we'll have something on name you know, the name image and likeness thing, which, would obviously be very pertinent to one and done basketball players. So times are weird uh, across the board. But like I said, you look at what Michigan's doing right now. I don't see how. No, it's kind of. I can't say the arrow's pointing upward because I don't think anyone's arrow is pointing upward. Everyone's season was cut off unexpectedly. Like I think a lot of the narratives about Jawan Howard's first season season in Ann Arbor were going to be dependent on what we saw them do in the big 10 tournament and the NCA tournament. And we got neither of those things. Michigan yep. got to warm up to play Rutgers, but that was about it. So um, I don't, I think the book still, I don't think the book's quite out there on Jamon Howard yet. So I think that's something that why some of these Michigan recruitments with the elite players might take a little longer because they're looking to have those questions answered too. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, and it all starts with recruiting, pretty much when it comes to uh, you know the success on the court and things along those lines. So, absolutely. Yeah, I mean we, we could, uh, we, man, we we could spend hours talking about all the name image, image likeness and G League stuff, but uh, I think that uh, I think that about wraps it up today. Anthony, thank you for coming on the show. Finally, it took you long enough. What's been going on here? I I, I think we need to do this a little more often.
4: Yeah, anytime. Uh I could I could always mandate. I'll you, to them. you know, I could <laughs> mandate it, But uh, no, any anytime any of you guys. I think I'm three for three now. Yeah. i everyone's not everyone shows, so Awesome. Um, anytime, awesome. Anytime. Got the trifecta. Appreciate Excellent. it.
0: Excellent. Yes. Well, thank you. And uh and thank you guys for listening. You can uh, uh follow Mason Brew on Twitter at Mason Brew, give Mason brew a like on uh Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to give us a uh a like and subscription and, and download us on however you get your podcasts. And uh, Anthony, where are you at on Twitter, my friend? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. And you can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. Thank you again for listening. We'll catch you guys next week for another episode of Future Brew. Thanks again.